Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Truth About Trucking, live, hosted by Alan Smith, a 30-year OTR veteran, business entrepreneur, and motor carrier transportation consultant, specializing in assisting students and new drivers, and pushing forward to raise the standards of the trucking industry. And now, live from beautiful Citrus County, Florida, here's your host, Alan Smith. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Truth About Trucking Live. I'm Alan Smith. Glad to have you today. It's a beautiful Sunday, March 8, 2009. We're here in Florida, about 80 miles north of Tampa. Sunny blue skies, 82 degrees. I mean, what great weather we're having here. I hope you're having good weather wherever you're from and from where you're listening to. Today's show is a topic about cap and trade. Have you heard about this thing? It's a, a governmental program to trade carbon emissions for dollars to the federal government. really is what it all boils down to. And uh, they're wanting to save the planet, I guess, from global warming. And so we're going to be talking about cap and trade and a little bit about how it can affect even the trucking industry and what it is. There seems to be a lot of confusion out there from a lot of people that I've been picking up that what really is cap and trade. And with me today, of course, is my co-host, Barry Stutsky. Barry, how are you doing? I I am doing excellent today, Alan. How are you? I'm good. You're always doing excellent. You just got that attitude here, man. And well, been busy been busy week for you? Oh man, yeah, I pounded out a lot of hours this week and uh but you know, got a good night's rest last last night and just woke up excited about doing the show. I I wanted to take a second to publicly say happy birthday, Alan. So, uh, <laughs> Fifty years, man. That's just incredible. Yeah. You know, I just, you know, haven't seen yeah. it much. And, you know, uh, yeah, hopefully you'll have. I'll thank. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Uh, hopefully uh, you'll have fifty more. You know. Oh man. Yeah, I tell you, I had my kids call. They, they, you know, they have to rub it in. You know, happy, happy half of a century. And <laughs> yeah. Well, I try. I try not to think about it, but I tell you, I got Donna went behind my back and shot out a uh, newsletter to all of our uh, listeners and clients and everything that's on our newsletter program. And I didn't know anything about it. And all of a sudden, I started getting all these emails, happy birthday, happy birthday. And I'm thinking, well, how in the world do all these people know it's my birthday? And uh, it didn't dawn on me that she put it in the newsletter. And I think I put up a post on askthetrucker.com. 748 emails, but I've gotten about another hundred since then. I even got some today, so I'm I was uh, clicking around the 900 or a thousand mark. So uh, I'd like to send out all my thank yous to all the people that wish me happy birthday. It'll be a 50 50th birthday I won't forget. So, but yeah, I kind of try try to keep it under the rug, you know. But Donna let it out on me. Yeah, well, I was gonna. Tell you one too many dances down the narrow street of time is how it all. Five fifty three. So you're still going to have to start. You know, show me a little bit of respect, anyhow. You know, because oh, I'm your elder. Oh, I know. I know. My mom taught me to respect my elders, so I sure will. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I'm still a I'm still a young pup compared to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? I was driving down the road the other night. I I got a solution for everything that ails this country. You want to hear it? Yeah, what is it? 
we're going to buy pet chimpanzees for every member of Congress. No, so, really? Yeah, yeah. So we'll be needing 450 monkeys. And, uh, when we <laughs> do, yeah, I, well, you know, we're, we're the solution, guys. People, people listen to us to hear solutions. So I decided that we're going to buy 450 monkeys. We're going to send them to every member of Congress. And just to keep it simple, we'll name every one of them Travis. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, along with the uh, delivery, uh, we'll FedEx them over. We'll put a note in there. If you do any, Mr. Senator, if you do anything stupid or dishonest, Travis will become very angry. And I really think that'll solve our problems, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, 450 monkeys, that could come to quite a bit, but we might be able to get a little bit out of that, that stimulus plan to do it. Well, well, we can. What the heck? We pay thirty million dollars for a mousetrap. I'm figuring, you know, uh, it'll give new meaning to the word "face the nation." You know, and uh, <laughs> yeah, within thirty days, we ought to have ninety vacancies in the Senate. And uh, the, the second part of my plan is to replace all the senators with truck drivers. Yeah, so, there you go. Because truck get, drivers get some, have, get some real people in there. Yeah, we'll have like a J.B. Hunt driver for Secretary of State and. Uh, you know they're eminently more qualified because a truck driver making fifty thousand dollars a year has the brains not to spend a hundred. So I I just think that it's gonna be a, it would be cool. You know the, the only thing is we'll have to replace the Senate uh, restaurant with a with a Waffle House. <laughs> there there you go. So, <laughs> hey I I like that. Yeah you probably hang out anyway. That was it. I just thought I'd throw it out out there. I guess you know sometimes you get too much time to think out there on the road, and that's what uh, the idea that came to me. Um, as far as this cap-and-trade topic, you know, it might be an unusual on the surface. Well, well, one thing I've been noticing is everybody I encounter, when I mention cap-and-trade to them, they don't have a, really a clue what it is. Both the politicians and the media have done an excellent job of hiding the reality oh, yeah. of it. And, like they always do. Well, I didn't know they were that talented at it. We went through a primary and general election that lasted, I want to say, 15 months. And the word mm -hmm. cap and trade bounced around a couple times, but not a single person that interviewed any of these guys. And I was listening to the POTUS channel on XM. I pretty much heard most, most of the debates and things like that. Nobody ever said to them once, you know, what is cap and trade? What are your plans for this? So I thought right. it, it, I, I ain't much of a conspiracy guy, but it was really bothering me that, that no one knew. And it you know, threatened, as far as drivers, I mean, uh, it definitely threatens empty their wallets. Over time, it's liable to drive fuel prices up by 50%, and 33% uh, of carbon is emitted by the transportation industry. You know, that's counting cars, trains, and trucks. So, yeah. I mean, 50% spike well, in fuel prices. It's just another ridiculous thing. You know, I get my my blood pressure goes up on all this stuff and the way that where the country's headed, and and I just don't see why everybody can be so blind. And this cap-and-trade thing... <clears throat> Here we go with a global warming thing. And you know what amazes me about this whole thing is, you know, for the last two, three years or so, just global warming, global warming, that's all you heard. I mean, <clears throat> Al Gore, before he started the uh, global warming thing, you know, his net worth was a couple million. And, and now after he's got into all that, I think it's around 100 million. And now that <clears throat> everybody who they wanted elected is, you know, has been elected and in power, you're not hearing anything about it anymore. I mean, what happened, you know? So, and I, I see on this cap and trade, and you're right, because I've heard other programs, people call in, you know, and ask, you know, what is this cap and trade? And and they kind of fumbled around, and, and really, nobody really, I think, knows what, what it is. So 
just just hit it off with us. Tell us, you I know you know. So what exactly what is the cap and trade? Okay, in a cap and trade system, the government they essentially take ownership of all CO2 emissions, and they distribute carbon credits. Uh, they hand out vouchers to to uh, industries. You know, primarily uh, it's going to be power plants. You know, the vast majority of power I, in this country, like 80% or something, is generated by coal-fired power plants. So they are going to give away some of these vouchers, and some they're going to sell by auction. So the cost of these vouchers – So okay, let me, let me backstep a little bit here. For instance, they tell a local power plant that you can emit 1,000 tons of carbon this year, and they give them vouchers for 500 tons and sell them carbon uh, vouchers for the other 500 tons. So the first year, there won't be a real big effect. Uh, on the uh, cost of electricity. The second year, they say to them, hey, we're lowering your cap down to 900 tons, and the coal-fired power plant has to figure out how in the world am I going to do this. They have only two options. Either they can hope to buy these carbon vouchers from another utility that has extras, and they got to pay, you know what I mean, and it's going to be astronomically expensive, or they're, they're going to be defined as polluters. So when, when in reference to cap-and-trade, when they use the word polluters, they're talking about CO2. They're not talking about real pollution. They're talking about plant food, okay? Right. So at that point, uh, they, they will uh, just roll the cost into the price of electricity. The idea is that each year the government will mandate, you know, less and less of a cap. And as the cap is reduced the cost of the carbon credits will go higher and higher and higher, which means that, you know, the federal government will rake in more and more and more money, and it, it's just going to put a lot of pressure on uh, on the utilities. That, but right now the utilities in the United States usually have about a 10% excess power that they can make, so they're not running full blast most of the time. They keep the extra 10% for an extremely hot day would be one situation, and the other situation would be where another city needs it, they pump it into the grid. So, for example, say Atlanta's burning at 102 degrees, Jacksonville, Florida would take that extra 10% and shoot that power into the grid to help Atlanta out. And obviously, they, you know, they would make their profit on it. Well, when that utility gets capped 10% lower than what they were, they're no longer going to be willing to do that because if they do, they're going to get an astronomical fine. So. Right. Uh, you know, the bottom line is is the initial hit on the first couple of years will be that brownouts and things of that nature because the utilities just can't afford to produce electricity uh, under those circumstances. Also, and this is something that everybody needs to know, these things like carbon scrubbers and sequestering of, of, of CO2 that you're hearing about, they don't exist. <laughs> I mean, they do. They're, they're theoretical or they're in the process of, of, of being tested. But right now, right here today, uh, a power utility has no way to cut their CO2 emissions. It's not possible. The only thing they can do is cut production. So mm -hmm. if they well, were going to – go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. If they yeah, were what? So, so if they were to wait, uh, assuming – okay, this is a big assumption. Assuming that you know uh, global warming is, in fact, caused by CO2 emissions, if they would wait till the technology was available – for the for the power companies to do something about it, uh, that'd be a different scenario. But they they want to push this through now. They want it now. Oh, yeah. I mean, these guys are seeing dollar signs, and over time we're talking trillions of dollars. And I want to emphasize that the consumer pays all taxes. The consumer pays all costs. So it's all going to get rolled on to me and you, and it's going to affect the cost of everything in our lives. I mean, you you've been to those big reefer where 
houses, you know they're running megawatts of electricity. So mm-hmm. the, there, there's nothing that won't be affected. And this is just the start. I mean, this is just phase one, because a 33% well, of... Go ahead. Well, well it, all boils, it always boils down to money. So if I, if I can get this straight, I, I thought it was funny because I was looking around and checking out this cap-and-trade thing, and they're saying that the goal is to steadily reduce carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gas emissions economy-wide in a cost-effective manner. And that just struck me really, really funny because, uh, I mean, we all know that the U.S. government has proven itself to be a cost-efficiency entity. Yeah, right. So, so the cap, so let me see if I get this straight, cap and trade. The cap uh, is meaning that each, each large-scale emitter or company will have a limit on the amount of greenhouse gas that it can emit, and the, the company they're going to have to have an emissions permit for every ton of carbon dioxide it releases into the atmosphere. And um, the, the trade, um, the more efficient companies who emit less than their allowance can sell their extra permits to companies that are not able to make reductions as easily. And <clears throat> they're saying that this is going to create a system that guarantees a set level of overall reductions. And... Um, let me see right here. The trade and, and companies unable to meet their emissions quotas could purchase allowances uh, from other companies that have acquired more permits than they need to account for their emissions. And then, of course, we get to the profits. And if the federal government auctions the emissions permits to the companies required uh, to reduce the, the emissions, there's, it would create a large and dependable revenue stream. And they're saying that revenue stream for the government, it could generate at least $50 billion a year, but could be as high as $300 billion a year coming into the U.S. government. So I look at all that, and I think, you know, this is nothing but, just like we put on the description of the show, uh, U.S. government just getting into our wallets all over again. You nailed it. And there's one thing that people need to understand, that these carbon limits are going to be done on a, plant-by-plant level. So, in other words, the politicians are going to determine how much carbon is allowable at any given power plant. And straight up, just straight up, the way it works is the the utility that puts the most campaign contributions in the right place is going to get the highest cap. And everybody who's lived on this planet more than a dozen years knows how these guys operate. And it's already Mm -hmm. beginning. There's companies out there right now for a fact that are jacking up their carbon emission uh, levels. They're, they're not physically putting out more carbon, uh, but if they're putting out 1,000 tons, they're saying, oh, we're putting out 1,200. That way when the cap, they're getting they're preparing for the cap and trade. That way they'll have 200 uh, tons worth of extra vouchers to sell on the trade end of it, you know. But well, it's just a piece yeah. of paper. There is no value to it. It's, it's, it's just a, there's, there's nothing that's being created. There's nothing that's going to help the economy. And it's just that some people that are in a position to, to, to lie about their uh, emissions are just going to make a, a pile of money up front because, you know, Atlanta Power and Light or whoever it is is going to have to buy these things. You know, if you get to 100 degrees, they're going to have to pump out the power. So, uh, it's, it's Well, it's just, uh, you know, once again, I mean, this administration is just uh, can't wait to uh, pick up the pen and, and sign off on anything and everything. I mean, that's pretty obvious. And, I mean, <clears throat> I, I really think they're just going to, the whole goal is just to uh, bankrupt the company. that or bankrupt the country, and uh, 
I mean, that's just kind of obvious to me. I just look at things logically and just can't wait to, you know, pick up the pen and sign whatever comes in front of the desk. So, and this cap and trade thing is just another thing that's just going to uh, hurt everybody else instead of helping them and uh, bring in billions and billions of dollars to the government. Government's taking control over everything. Well, I mean, this is not about saving the planet. It's all about the money, and it's all going to be paid for by the American people. As a matter of fact, over the next 20 months, the national debt is scheduled, not by my numbers, by, the, by their numbers, is scheduled to increase by an equivalent of the previous eight years. So, so, so in 20 months, we're going to nail just as much as we did in eight years. And I, I was thinking about an old song, and the lyrics went, uh, meet the new boss, the same as the old boss. Yeah. You, you may have heard the song, it's called Won't Get Fooled Again. And, and, and may I suggest that we got fooled again, you know? Uh, that's well, crazy. How, how can they... How can they keep harping on this global warming thing when, I mean, we've, we've proven, uh, I mean, my blood pressure goes up when I hear this global warming stuff. Uh, I mean, it's been proven that in the last hundred years, the Earth's core has only increased by one degree. I mean, how can that be global warming? It's not. It, and through the 90s, the temperatures did, did rise some, uh, but that's been going on forever. You know, if you notice the charts that the, the Gore-type people put out, it, it, it always starts in 1850. Well, there's a reason for that, because if anybody saw the real data from previous to that, they would notice the little ice age. They would notice the medieval warming period. And they would also notice there's a chart that I got that's for the last 425,000 years, just for the heck of it. Didn't, it came from a scientific website, did not come from uh, anybody associated with global warming. And they show almost cookie-cutter increments of the temperature going up and down. And one thing that's really striking about that chart is that they shoot up like a bottle rocket and they drop like a rock. There's no plateaus. The temperature never yeah. has. Um, I mean, right now, uh, they're, they're finding some... Dude, and it did warm over in the 90s. I mean, it did warm. And, and there's Viking settlements that, that came out from under the ice, you know. So what does that tell you? I mean, those guys were around year 1000, baking in the sun. They were growing crops in a place that's been frozen stiff ever since. It, it, it actually wiped them out. So the idea that this is some kind of phenomenon is just, in my opinion, ridiculous, you know. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. We, uh, we got a caller on the line. Let me uh, pull them up. I'll open up their mic. Uh if you're, I'll call out your area code. If you're calling from area code 267, uh, you're live on the air. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Hello. Uh, I want to say hi to Alan and Barry. Uh, this is Chet from Pennsylvania. Hello, Chet. Hey, hey Chet. How you doing? I'm pretty good today. Pretty good today. I'm listening to your very insightful uh, dialogue here. Uh, and uh, I just had a couple of, couple of comments. Uh, one, uh, you know, uh, your anxiety with global warming is... Uh, but the tip of the iceberg compared to my anxiety, I, I got to say, I just, uh, if so to speak, I, uh, the, uh, the, the amount of proof, actual scientifically uh, certifiable proof is, is quite flimsy. If you look at the fact that, uh, you know, 150 years ago, what kind of thermometers did they have to measure temperature and, and what, were they widely available? So how many places did they measure temperatures that they're measuring now that have totally changed, such as airports, which uh, 40s and 50s were, were major sources of weather uh, data, if you uh, can see that much. Uh, and then right. now, in the, in the 2000s, uh, those airports, which were once 
farm fields, because that's where they put an airport, where they can put a flat runway easily, are now in the middle of a city, and their their temperatures are being impacted by jet wash. The the city itself, uh, you know, and the uh, the data it could possibly be skewed from that. Just just for one, and, and um, uh, if taking a step, take a giant leap, and assume that okay, there are carbon emissions that are uh, causing global greenhouse effect and warming. Uh, what about bovine? Uh, flatulence. They're going to start taxing farmers. New Zealand has proposed a tax, and they're doing a 12-month study. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. I mean, it's a huge source of methane and, and carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's and it's it does get a giggle, but I mean that's that's going to be one of the the hard facts that they won't be able to ignore that as well. Um, right. And it's going to come down on people that uh, you know really can't afford it, and and. Getting back to my first assertion, there, there's really not been true, rigorous scientific proof that this is more than just a natural fluctuation. Like the Vikings settled those areas that got frozen over. I mean, there was that global warming then. How much uh, CO2 emissions were, were occurring when the Vikings settled that area that just thawed again? Or is this a natural cycle? You know? Right. Now, is, 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 just, is this a... Uh based on just some research you've done on your own, or are you involved in it somehow? Well, I'm an environmental chemist, so and I've, I've, oh. I'm involved with uh, some uh, biogas projects, uh, you know, uh, um, converting. I work in this, uh, largely in the sewer treatment area, where, and I do a lot of sludge uh, projects where we're looking at enhancing methane production. And we're in the, some experimental stages right now, but we've got some other uh, uh, Areas where we've uh, gotten some success. San Antonio, Texas, is one one area where we were able to help them increase their gas production, methane production for energy purposes, and they're they're going to a full scale uh, within the next year, full scale uh, methane to energy uh, using their their gas that they produce uh, for power production. And uh, okay. this is a big area where we can, uh, and this this is segueing into next week, so I don't want to get into too much detail about that, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's that's pretty much what I do. I work in the industry, uh, pretty much. Okay, biochemist. So what? So what's your overall thing about this cap and trade? I think what's it's. Some, some, know, I, I thought one of the best things that, that Bush did was to ignore the Kyoto Accord, uh, and then, and it's just my opinion. But I mean, I think this cap and trade has has a huge a huge capacity to to be unfairly administered, and I think that's. You know that it's it's especially in our country. I mean, we're the most industrially developed country initially. So, I mean, all the other countries, their baselines were nothing. You know, all they had to worry about was, I'm sorry to say it again, the bovine flatulence. And now, mm-hmm. we've been industrialized since the since industrialization was invented, and, and we're you know we're looking at limits that are unfair. Right. Uh, you know, you look at baseline versus you know how much you can improve. You know. Uh, goes back to where you take the data. You can get numbers to say anything you want, but you really have to look at them in a critical manner. So, right. Know, I, well, I, it, I, it, yeah. It's funny that you're a biochemist and you're in science and everything. And uh, I mean, I, I guess everybody just doesn't look. I've always thought everybody looks at scientific data the same. But I mean, you can have 100 scientists over here saying, yes, this is a problem. And then on the other side, you have another 100 scientists saying, no, it's not a problem. If everybody's yeah. looking at the same scientific data and everything, how how does that how does that happen? Well, it, I mean, 
It depends on who who's certified as a scientist. For one, I mean, I'm a I'm a chemist, and uh-huh. I'm working with uh, AS, ASTM standards, uh, you know, nu- the nuclear clock for time, and uh, the Bureau, National Bureau of Standards for the my calibration on my thermometer. Oh, you get somebody that's you know an environmental. Uh, and I'm an environmental chemist also, but uh, I mean, you get somebody that's maybe not as rigorous in in lab procedures and the, you know the, they'll take you can take a chunk of data and you can you can make it look like what you want to make it look and you can choose where your data comes from nobody analyzes all the data um, per se that would be a huge undertaking that uh, you know and it's, and it's hard to get accurate data there's also you know, some data you dismiss some you don't a lot of times right. that, that can be a judgment call but if you're looking to prove a point, you can usually get your numbers and align them in such a way that you're going to prove that point if it's a marginal proof. And this is this is a marginal, like I said, one degree over the last hundred years. How do you prove that? Right. Yeah. It, yeah. One thing. Was it, were our thermometers one degree accurate a hundred years ago? That's my whole right. Point. right. I thought about that. Yeah. So, you look at the historical data, and you gotta you gotta view it with you gotta look at the what they call the uh, the standard deviation of your data. How much could that number have been off a hundred years ago? Maybe a couple of degrees. <laughs> right. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, Chet, what you had mentioned about data through through the 90s, uh, the the data that they were using was primarily from what's known as Hadley temperatures that are generated by a group in England. And they were said to be the most accurate temperatures possible. They had thermometers all over, and beginning around, and that's what they used for the computer models and all that was Hadley temps. And beginning around 2000, Hadley's temps, and anybody can look these up, have leveled off or dropped in the last eight years. There's been no increase in global warming in eight years, according to Hadley. So instead of just saying, "Hey, you know what? Maybe we were wrong," now they're using other sources for temperatures. So. So they, they actually changed – the data wasn't – what happened was their computer programs blew out because the CO2 increased and the temperatures dropped or leveled. So instead of, you know, just saying, hey, maybe we're wrong, and uh, they, they just went out and found data to agree with their point of view. So I don't – let me let me ask you this, Chet. How, how should science work? I mean, in, in reference – I mean, isn't it supposed to be experimentation and then – Results and theories. I mean, what do you what do you think about all that as far as uh, global warming is concerned? Yes, I mean um, it's it's um, should work as scientific method, but then a lot of people don't have the patience for that. I mean, scientific method you you can a- analyze the paralyze is what we used to call it when I was working in research. Uh, so I mean, there, there's sometimes a decision made to end it full rigor. Uh, in the in the in the interest of uh, expedience, in the interest of getting something quick, uh, getting an answer, because of the panic, uh, and this is a panic issue. We're going to you know, destroy the planet. Is is, is the uh, is the message? And I have no problem personally with um, uh, efficiency, lowering. Any kind of emissions, because you know we we don't want to we don't want to pollute the planet. But the, these arbitrary uh, things that are based on general inaccuracies or or possibly theories that don't that aren't true can you know have the have the they have the capacity to to really 
impinge unfairly to, to tax people that, that shouldn't be paying the taxes. And that's, you know, and it's going to hurt the least amongst us the worst because, uh, yeah. you know, when, when you, and like I was talking to Alan about a couple of minutes ago, I mean, a frozen food warehouse, I mean, these places, you could drive a tractor trailer through them. They're massive. And, and some guy making $8 an hour, a girl, I, I mean, the cost of all their food's going up. I mean, it's just, there's not, not I don't think, anything in a person's life that's not affected by energy uh, in one way or another. So it's it's really going to put a hurt on people who are really struggling the most right now. And, and the way the economy's been, that's quite a few people, you know? Exactly, exactly. And, then, you know, in this country, we're used to the, to the, to the boom times, we're used to just saying, "Oh well, the, you know, the regulations aren't fair to everybody." But, but we're America; we'll just we'll just bite the bullet, and we'll just we'll just move on. We'll we'll, we'll get over this. But now it's to the point where you know people are our economy isn't that robust anymore. It's not that strong. It's going to start hurt, seriously hurting people that that can't afford it, and it's going to cause instead of rebuilding our economy uh, to where it should have should be, uh, it, it could cause some domino effects. I believe that it's going to necessarily put some companies out of business. And here's here's one of the reasons why. China and India both refused to go along with cap and trade, and they're massive emitters of carbon dioxide. As a matter of fact, China's going to surpass us this year as an emitter. And they refused. Oh, you Uh, you were there? In in November. And the reason that there is Merck, they had just, just, an example, if you don't mind me interrupting you, this is amazing. It'll show you how many. No, I don't. I don't mind at all. You're. You're. You got the credentials. Go ahead. Uh, they had a SARS outbreak. They gave everybody mercury thermometers. It's a, a virus outbreak, uh, and uh, everybody in Beijing took uh, these mercury thermometers to check their t- temperature. If they had a spike, they were supposed to, you know, go get treated. So they did have this epidemic that wiped out half of Beijing. Anyway, they. Through the thermometers in the sewer, most of the Chinese people are not that well educated in the cities, in the in the, uh, and, and you know they're not that they're not that trained, they're not that well educated about environmental concern. They threw them in the sewers. Well, now we're getting mercury levels in Michigan that are five times the limit. I mean, where it's wow. two, again fourteen parts per million in the rain. Uh, because of the weather pattern coming up from Beijing, uh, that mercury uh, being separated in the hot climate and the, the prevailing winds carrying over and dropping it in Michigan, so that you know that's how much we got to worry about other countries. Wow, wow. that's scary. It is. There's there's a hmm. oh, hundred things going on in China. There's one one uh, um, I guess region where all the computer waste is being dumped in the world because they'll take it. They don't have the regulation. The trash in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, there's a there's a, a trash continent forming, the size of Connecticut right now. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I heard uh, about that. It's just kind of floating around out there. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just all hanging together because that's where everybody, mm-hmm. uh, especially in Asia, they just dump, take it out in the ocean, they dump it. We're not allowed to yeah. do that here in the Atlantic, but. Uh, on the other side of the Pacific, there's not that they don't have the regulations, and that gives them an unfair business com- advantage, which dumps their products on our country at a cheap price. Well, you, you know what's interesting is in the UN, uh, uh, they, they were talking about specifically cap and trade, and China, believe it or not, supports cap and trade. They they won't ever take part in it, but they actually support it, and for obvious reasons. If a cap and trade country manufactures anything, they don't have a prayer of uh, of 
of being the lowest price. Like China's just totally viewing this thing as a, a way to dump their products on us and put our, you know, the, the, what, what manufacturer would have left, left, put them out of business, you know? Nobody wants to lose the American market. I mean, the American market is the easiest. Once you enter into it, you have a huge distribution system, right? What, what other single regulatory, you know, you only have one set of laws to deal with uh, between internationally, uh, and you've got the whole United States, right? Now, you can't go in, you know, I don't care, Euro or whatever, nothing is as convenient as the U.S. So, yeah, they're going to love to get the competitive advantage over our manufacturers. Well, well, they're going to have it. Well, they already have it. But, you know, they got they have. Uh, boy, I could go on and on. You know, free trade, free trade, free trade. It is. It's not free. You know, they have prisoners, prisoners shackled to machinery over there creating goods, and, and an American manufacturer, you know, wants to pay a living wage, and they can't. Uh, I mean, they can, but they can't compete at that. You know. Yeah, they. Uh, there, there's. I don't know how was it two two billion. Six. How many billion Chinese? In Beijing it was like forty million people. One city. One city, um, wow. and you know, a lot, a lot of people that uh, ma- manual menial labor to them is that's it. You know, that's all they got, uh, and that you know they can get a lot done for a little bit of money as far as manual labor, and that's what they target their products on, uh, taking advantage of that. That's their natural resource, the amount of people that they have. Well, we used to be able to stay in the game with technology, but I fear with this cap-and-trade, I think it's going to be a nail in the coffin of the American worker. I, I mean, I think it's going to be the last straw, and I, I really have to question the motives of someone who would vote for a thing that it's so – this is what's bugging me. This is what's really bugging me. It's so obvious to me as a truck driver what these guys are up to, and, and you know, how, how they think they can make believe uh, – one of the politicians – the other day said this isn't a tax. Well, that's a lie, okay? Another politician left February who was running for president said he was going to put the coal industry out of business, and having both my grandfathers were coal miners, I took it personal, you know? And for these guys to walk around and make believe that they don't know the, the repercussions of this program is really, i I got to shut the news off, you know what I mean, sometimes. But uh, it, I, I think they know exactly what's going on, and they exactly don't care because it's it's going to make, make for massive campaign contributions for all of them, you know? Mm, big, yeah, that's a big amen, brother. I'll tell you, <laughs> I mean, now all that, I mean, you're preaching to the choir here. They, they just... Uh, they just are going to use and abuse this, and they, yeah, it's going to be a trade instead of cap and trade instead of the carbon credits. It's going to be political contribution credits. They're going to do the same thing they do and lobby those things, and just go back and forth. It's just going to be another layer of bureaucracy that's going to overburden our already overburdened bureaucratic, multi-layered. You know, they're going to. They're going to need carbon cops, literally, because how do you tell how many tons of carbon are coming out of a specific stack? You know, they're going to actually need a police to carbon cops. I mean, there's no way around that. They're just going to have to go around and measure. It's crazy. Another whole line of payroll and retirement coming out of our tax money. Yeah, I'm going to try to get a job as a carbon cop, you know. So, like, you might as well cash in. If you can't beat them, join them, right? Yeah, if you miss <laughs> If you missed the boat with uh, Homelands, or if you missed with all the the other extra things um, coming coming to play, you know you can do it as a carbon cop on that one. Uh, Well, actually, uh, Homeland, uh, what do I what did I get lately? A Twic card, one hundred thirty-two dollars and fifty cents, and uh, additional 
another hundred bucks on my license. Yeah, actually, actually, I'm, I participated. Only I came out, only I it came out of my checkbook. You know, I one thing you mentioned, Chet, was the 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 uh, e, uh, the flatulence tax. The EPA is considering that. And uh, yeah, well, here here's the thing: New Zealand uh, proposed the flatulence tax in 2003, actually. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up a website here about bovine flatulence. It says bovine flatulence, not as funny now. <laughs> so, 14 uh, percent of the methane released into the environment is produced by cows and other livestock. 14 percent. Well, they're talking about, and this is a real number. They're talking about uh, fees as high as 175 dollars per dairy cow. Get and. Oh. and and guess, yeah, and guess who's paying for all that? The guy that's, you know what I mean? It's just, it's going to show up in, in the price of beef and the price of milk immediately. But yeah, I didn't think it was that high. I thought it was ten bucks a head. But they're, they're, they're once, once they get it initiated, they'll jack it as high as they want. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, it's, it's, it, it, it's another pass at this thing. It's, I, it's a refinement of the Kyoto. To me, it seems like a refinement of the Kyoto Court. I'm, I'm not as well versed in the whole, whole uh, back and forth of it, but. Well, you know, even even if this bill works exactly as promised, it you know it would only cut CO2 concentration by four percent, which wouldn't produce any kind of a measurable drop in temperatures. So, uh, I mean, even under the best of circumstances, using their numbers, you know, you know, I, I, what would Al Gore say? Oh, at least we're doing something. Hey, Chad, can you stay on the line? We had an audio clip because uh, you had mentioned, yeah. uh, I believe you had mentioned fear tactics, and uh, if it's all right with Alan, we can keep you on. It's a two-minute audio clip. Alan could play it, and we could get your comments on it. It's Al Gore and saying some things that I don't think are scientific. But you, can you all play right. that thing, Alan? Yeah, we can go to that. Al Gore, the, uh, the dramatic Al Gore here. Yeah, we'll just get it going right here. at the 10 hottest years ever measured, they've all occurred in the last 14 years. And the hottest of all was 2005. The scientific consensus is that we are causing global warming. I am Al Gore. I used to be the next president of the United States of America. This is Patagonia 75 years ago and the same glacier today. Mount Kilimanjaro 30 years ago and last year. Within the decade, there will be no more snows of Kilimanjaro. This is really not a political issue so much as a moral issue. Temperature increases are taking place all over the world and that's causing stronger storms. This is the biggest crisis in the history of this country. Early this morning, Hurricane Katrina slammed into New Orleans. Is it possible that we should prepare against other threats besides terrorists? From Paramount Classics comes a film that has shocked audiences everywhere they've seen it. The Arctic is experiencing faster melting. If this were to go, sea level worldwide would go up 20 feet. This is what would happen in Florida, around Shanghai, home to 40 million people. The area around Calcutta, 60 million. Here's Manhattan. The World Trade Center Memorial would be underwater. Think of the impact of a couple hundred thousand refugees, and then imagine a hundred million. We have.
have to act together to solve this global crisis. Our ability to live is what is at stake. Well, I tell you what, you know, I, I, I'm just going to have to go get my blood pressure medicine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, where do you start on that? I, I mean, and then what I was telling Barry earlier before the show is uh, the last couple of years, all we've heard of this global warming threat, this threat, this threat, and now that everybody's elected and in office, you don't hear about it hardly anymore. No, no. They're uh, on to their own, more of their uh, own personal programs. Uh and, um, you know, I mean, let, let me, one, one uh, point, I'll just comment on Katrina. Uh, hurricane Katrina, you know, they mentioned New Orleans, but, you know, the hurricane is not what deluged New Orleans. It was the faulty dikes. I mean, the, the hurricane was, right. it was a cause, but the, the hurricane was already passed. The flooding was already done. Everybody was high and dry just about, I mean, or relatively high and dry until those dikes failed. And that's, you know, that's, Hurricane engineering, right there, or hurricane negligence. I mm-hmm. mean, that's uh, you know. So is that a, a proof of global warming? Yeah, we have some uh, big hurricanes. We've had big hurricanes. Could we track them as well? In seventies, when uh, uh, what was the big one that went through, uh, hitting Mississippi, dead on uh, Andrew? That was uh, South Florida, Andrew. Andrew. Okay. Well, there was there was one back in the back in the day, or even back you know the one that hit Galveston, Texas, at the turn of the century. I mean, could we measure how big that hurricane was like we can now? No. So do we know the hurricane bigger? I don't think so. Well, the first uh, Hurricane Hunter aircraft was launched was flown in 1947, and the first uh, satellite weather satellite was launched in 1969. So until you had the combination of the satellite and the airplane, because you didn't know where to send the airplane. We don't have any accurate hurricane data, so you really could say 69 was the first year of any accuracy as far as strength of storms. Previous to that, the only way they knew if a Category 4 occurred in the Gulf of Mexico was readings from ships, and all those guys are, you know, dead men tell no tales, you know? Right. So, yeah, that's just an example of how, you know, when you look at your data set, how big is it compared to what you're trying to define with with that data, is it really meaningful? Right. So, um, yeah, I, and Alan, I just, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the, the viewpoint of you and Barry here. It's, it's refreshing. I, I don't, I don't find it anywhere. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's, it's hard to find. Well, you can he, he, thank the good old media about that. But uh, here on Blog Talk Radio, so far we're 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 still free to to talk about <laughs> various issues. So, but Barry was saying something about the media earlier, how they just keep this thing shut up, and and how they just you know really allow uh, allow you to hear and see what they want you to allow and see. I, I mean, we've got all these people here in our chat room and uh, issues of law is uh, making quite a few comments um, going up here. Uh, is, just, is this just part of the socialism of our country? And, and uh, I believe that's where we're headed. And, and, you know, he's asking what can we do about it. And I, I kind of threw in there, you know, well, I don't know, you know, the government's so big. But he came back and said, well, we're much bigger than they are. So, but I don't know, you know, the media just, it, they just, uh, the media is in such control. And uh, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you called, being a chemist and everything. And, and you know, 
uh, it just frustrates me that experts like you, your voices just can't get heard like all these others can. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and it's, well, you know, it's the environment that we're in, and, and it's just that, uh, like I say, the media is controlling, it's really brainwashing the public. I mean, I, I don't know what, how, how, what other way to, uh, to phrase it. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it's tragic. It's, it's, the, it's the decay of our whole country is being caused by this, the rhetoric that they profess, and they get their talking heads on, with no credentials, no identity, you don't know who they are, they come and they go, and then that, that's the word of the day. That's what they take as the fact, and that it becomes history the next day. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Right. Well, part of the problem is the media is owned by corporations, and it's dependent on, you know, their financial ties. Uh, you know, they, they, I know I'm not saying they necessarily lie, but they screen what they're going to put on. I know that... Uh, for, for example, NBC is owned by uh, General Electric, and General Electric is working on carbon scrubber technology. So, I, I mean, does that affect what NBC reports? I don't know, but if, if they report what we're saying, it's going to cost them money. So I could say that, you know. Right. I know. It's, it's, just, it's just frustrating. So <laughs> I'm sitting here just getting more frustrated. And, I, you know, people are going to have to get involved, you know, to really – and I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, people are just too busy with their lives, and or they just don't care. And you know, just whatever the media says, that's, they just take it for truth. Well, well as far as this is, oh, go ahead, Chad. I'm saying the people are people are actually afraid, or those that actually know or that have, that have an inkling. Sometimes I'm, I find it in myself. I'm afraid to say something for fear that it's going to be looked upon by you know somebody that has power over me. You know, as well, negative. Yeah. I'm, in the system, and they, you know, where's, where's my next raise going to come from, or whatever, you know? Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, and it, it's that's that's not America, as far as I'm concerned. That's not America. You shouldn't have that. You can't express your view on on a on a, on a, a global situation. Right. Uh, well, are you familiar uh, with the? Uh, there's a thing called the Oregon Petition that was released in June 2008, and it's got 31,000 people like yourself, scientists, uh, 6,000 of them are coding PhDs, many of them are climatologists, and what the petition says, and I, let, let me say this first, all 31,000 of those people that had the guts to sign this petition put their careers at risk. I mean, that's how bad it is out there, and I can understand uh, that you'd have some uh, fear in yourself. You know, if you open your mouth, you, you get labeled as a flat earther, as someone who believes the moon landing was a staged event, uh, you, you know, you, there's this consensus. Consensus doesn't exist in science. Anyway, here, here's exactly what they signed. It says, there is no convincing scientific evidence that human release of carbon dioxide, methane, or other greenhouse gases is causing or will in the foreseeable future cause catastrophic heating of the Earth's atmosphere and disruption of the Earth's climate. So that's 31,000 people who were willing to risk uh, being ostracized, not getting their papers published, and in the case of the Washington State climatologist, who uh, the governor of Washington State was trying to fire him just because he believes in science, so so it's pretty well, bad. Yeah, it is. It is, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, if I would have seen that thing, where where was this at? I would have signed it. <laughs> uh, actually, you can, uh, as far as I know, just uh, Oregon, the state of Oregon petition. If you Google that, I, I imagine they're still taking signatures on it. Uh, let me just mention one person because you know a lot of. This flat Earth, this flat Earth thing, really—that's really what started me on this 
on the ball rolling and was out in my truck and they had gore on there calling, yeah, yeah, flat earther and juvenile, real juvenile stuff. And I'm thinking, who are these flat earthers? And he's saying, well, they're all backed by the oil companies. I got, I got, a, I got a news news for Mr. Gore. BP, ConocoPhillips support cap and trade. Shell Oil is the largest manufacturer of solar panels, of uh, silicon solar panels in the world. So they, oil companies are not funding anything like that. You know, these guys just have guts. And uh, one of them is, uh, and this is, heck, you might even know him. His name's J. Scott Armstrong. And I, I just want to read his bio just to give you an idea who these 31,000 people are. He's a professor at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. He is the founder of the Journal of Forecasting, the International Journal of Forecasting, and the International Symposium on Forecasting. He's the creator of ForecastingPrinciples.com and editor of Principles of Forecasting, an evidence-based summary knowledge on forecasting. In 1996, he was selected as one of the first six honorary fellows by the International Institute of Forecasting. He's been doing research on forecasting for nearly half a century. That's a, the flat earther. There's the flat earther. As a matter of fact, three days ago, in front of the Senate, uh, a professor from Princeton said, Chet, I'm, 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 I cannot remember his name, but you, you'd be well aware of him. And he's, the, uh, has a, he's a doctorate in physics. And he testified in front of the Senate and said exactly that, you know, that it's a natural phenomena. So it, yeah. these flat earthers got, uh, spent a lot of money on college, don't you think? Well, you know, and it's the, the, the hardcore scientists are the ones that are not yet convinced. I mean, the, the people that I've talked to that I have the most respect for uh, with their, with their uh, approach, their scientific approach, if you will, uh, are the ones that have the doubt. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of them. I mean, I just, I, I just haven't seen the convincing data, and I, and I question whether where the data comes from. You mentioned the, uh, the Hadley uh, measurements, but that's, I mean, how limited was their scope a century ago? I, I uh, they know. didn't have anything. They didn't have anything. I was just talking through through the nineties. Hansen started the ball rolling. You, well, a little bit of history global warming. Jim Hansen is a scientist who works for NASA. He has a degree in astrophysics. He is not a climatologist, okay? But in 1988, he uh, spoke in front of the Senate, and he said that the temperatures were increasing, and it was directly the result of man-made uh, CO2. And that at, at that point, he befriended Al Gore. And Al told him that he would help him save the planet. And Al didn't do much for for a while. Well, he was he was busy doing something. But, but uh, I don't want. Al Gore saving the planet, just like he created the internet. Yeah, well, yeah, well, he's busy creating it. You know, I thought that somebody was just making that up, and and I pulled down an audio clip. I didn't bother, to, you know, to send it to you, Alan. But actually, he did say that. I I actually thought oh, I know. that was just politics. Well, anyway, these. Hansen developed computer computer uh, modeling uh, software, and he was punching numbers in through the 90s. And he was what he was trying to do was show objective proof that in fact CO2 emissions were tied into global warming. Well, so they didn't work very well. So he kept changing the parameters of the software. I literally tweaked it and tweaked it and tweaked it until he got it to say what he wanted. Well, unfortunately, around 2000, the temperature stopped up going up, but the CO2 levels were still going up, so it, his computer program, Tim Hansen's, and the ones at Al Gore's, like, they blew out eight years ago. Yeah, it's called massaging the data. Is that what you call it? Massaging the data. You massage it enough and it'll, it'll, you can work it into a shape that you like. <laughs> well, 
Well, Al's been massaging it a lot. I, I, I'm understanding that his net worth increased by over $50 million. So he's made a fortune. Uh, he just bought, last May he bought a 100-foot houseboat. And, I mean, it, this thing looks like an aircraft carrier, you know? And uh, it's got twin uh, twin Detroits in it, and he claims that it's okay because they can run on biodiesel. Unfortunately, the place he has it docked doesn't sell biodiesel, and also any diesel engine in the world can run biodiesel. I run it in my truck, so it was just... I mean, look, if you're serious that you think something's killing the planet, your actions in your personal life would reflect that if you actually believe it, you know? Yeah, well, I'm sure he needed that 100-foot houseboat because that lowered his carbon footprint over the 28-footer that he had before, probably, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who needs the 100-foot houseboat? Nobody. <laughs> well, if he keeps eating like he's been, he might, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, they like to throw out terms like buy diesel and, and you know, uh, carbon tax, all this stuff that, you know, they know that general public really don't understand anyway, and it makes them sound like they know what they're talking about. But it's like you said, Barry, we run biodiesel in our trucks right now, so what, what's the big deal about that? Uh, there's nothing. You know what? I do know what the difference between the, I, I just briefly, because the word carbon tax gets floated around, and actually... Jim Hansen, the NASA scientist that I referred to, uh, that was his plan. And the carbon tax would have been applied pre-user. So, for instance, they would have put like $10 a barrel tax on oil, and they would have put $10 a ton on coal. The idea being it would drive energy prices up and create a situation where we, where the population would collectively use less and, you know, the, the utilities would be motivated to go with cleaner technology or, or non-coal technology. And... That was Hansen's idea. At the end of the year, uh, the carbon tax money would be distributed evenly among the citizens. It would be given back. It would be a net increase of zero dollars for the federal government. So that's what a carbon tax is. It actually is more of a benevolent thing than the cap and trade. In the cap and trade, the citizens don't get not anything back, and they just get to pay. So there is a difference. And they also very, very craftily uh, left the word tax out of cap-and-trade. It's, it's an embedded tax. It's actually the largest embedded tax of all time, you know, and they love embedded taxes. If you don't believe it, read your phone bill. I mean, you'll see them all in there. You get a $30 phone bill right away. It's 50 You know, you can see that, but there's all kinds of stuff like that that they do, but that, that was their goal is to uh, create a situation where the first year there wasn't a big effect, but as, as time went on, they were going to crank down on the thumb screws and people's electric rates are going to jump 50% and food and everything. And the big trucks are it's going to kill them because, uh, you know, they're, they're coming after us, too. They're coming after the cars. They're going to come after the lawnmowers. Okay, I mean, they're already after the cows, so your weed whacker ain't far behind. They're coming after asthmatics. You know, do you know that um, I, got, I got a slight, slight asthma. I use a, a puffer. They have outlawed asthmatic puffers because they contain fluorochlorocarbons and that all those selfish asthmatics that want to breathe are destroying ozone. Mm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So they they got to go to these other propellants that are they taste funny and they're no, it's not, not as good. Because one, I mean, I don't know how much compared to anything else, but there's, you know, there's not that many people that are spraying these uh, puffers around. You know, to make any difference in the in the uh, in the atmosphere, that's for sure. Well, but, well by uh, the definition that the EPA is uh, is looking at, they're actually right as we speak are considering labeling CO2 uh, as a as a pollutant. You know, they're just going to relabel it. I just wanted to mention the current that's level. 
That's the replacement for chlorofluorocarbons a lot of time is CO2 propellants. I, yeah, I didn't know that. I knew well, the chlorofluorocarbons were the ones that uh, were supposed to be affecting the ozone, correct? Right, right. So CO2, which is the, the most next, most, uh, and it's economic, it's the next most likely candidate, is now getting a, a regulated outlaw. So they're well, working their way down. Well, the, over the last century, the CO2 levels have increased from 280 parts per million to 380. And uh, th this is funny, because you mentioned uh, exhaling. Uh, when, you, when a person exhales, 4% of what they're exhaling is CO2. So basically 40,000 parts per million, okay, is what you're exhaling. That's 100 times the current atmospheric concentration. So it's like, it's, it's, I, I mean, we've we got to stop breathing, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll get on that starting today. I, I don't want to, you know, I want to be mean spirited, but I think somebody, if you a few people running around out there, uh, if they just, at least if they're going to breathe, they should keep their voice quiet, you know, when they got a microphone in front of them. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, breathe less, breathe a little. Everybody save a breath a day, and we'll cut down the CO2 emissions more than any any amount of uh, carbon regulation. And then, and then all these athletes, they're breathing extra. What the heck? You know, tell them to stop fucking up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we may be well, heading for that. Who knows? The Olympics is causing global warming. <laughs> well, well believe it or not, in the uh, British media, there was a suggestion that everyone be issued their own <laughs> own little card, similar to a debit card, that when you filled up your tank, you would swipe it. You, you would have your own carbon cap. I, I, I don't know that it's going to go anywhere, but they're talking about it. And you would have your own little carbon cap, and then if you fly on an airliner, you swipe your card, and and if you have any leftover cards, you can sell them. But yeah, they, I mean they're, they're talking about bringing it down to the personal level. Yeah, and that's when Big Brother really steps in. You, know, you remember 1984, George Orwell? I yeah. Mean, they're gonna know every step we make. I mean, it's just that's what scares me. I mean, with just the total lack of freedom now that this is gonna impose on us. I mean, it gets into a much bigger issue. Is is, is what it. You know, all these things combined together just just make for people being regulated like, like a machine. We're actually being farmed for taxes. Now we're going to be farmed for our carbon credits. I mean, it's uh, crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's common. I don't know that there's a – well, there's a lot we can do. You know, Alan mentioned somebody on the, uh, on the chat said, what can we do? Well, you can find out who your congressmen are and who your senators are and how they're planning on voting on this. And it, this, is, this could be a really good litmus test. If you want to know if your senator or congressman is honest, if he votes for this, because they got to know, they got to know it's not even going to work, then you know that he's liable to not be an honest person. So you could actually figure that out. But they do respond a little bit. The emails help. The, if you call them, that helps more. If you write a letter... Uh, I mean, you know, written letter, they open them up because it's got a stamp on it. And if you show up in their office and set up an appointment to talk to them, so, but if we all collectively start hitting them with at least emails, uh, and, you know, they do respond to that. Yeah, emails, right. And and uh, this, uh, now, wait, can you uh, enlighten me, uh, I guess maybe some other people on the on the legislation, what's what's pending and what's what's planned, what's already done? Uh, it came up in June of '08, and it didn't get anywhere. Uh, right now, the uh, it's on hold. The numbers are all over the board. Uh, likely, they were talking about it all behind the scenes because they're, you know, the public's starting to wake up to what they're up to. So they're they're pretty cautious with the economic situation to, to put this on. Uh, that's not saying that they won't, but it's 
you know, they yeah. they might put a more subdued version. Well, this administration would be more supportive of that than the previous. Uh, so, you know, it, it could just because it didn't go anywhere the last in June of 08, uh, that doesn't really tell you what, it's, what it would do when it, when it came up again, because I'm sure it will come up again. Well, it, it's going to. It's Lobla Pass with flying colors, you know, but they have to get people convinced that it's not a tax. See, see once, it, once they initiate the thing, it, it could be a zero gain for them. And, you know, once the mechanism's in place to to crank up the revenue, which it will be, they can set those caps. I mean, I've got to say it again. Uh, at risk of sounding like a broken record, the politicians are going to set the caps individually for individual power. They might have an overall cap for the country, but, but, but Philadelphia Electric, you know, that cap's going to be decided by somebody, for maybe, it's, uh, maybe a, a, you know, Arlen Specter or some, somebody in Pennsylvania that's in, in a federal position. It's not being determined by a climatologist. You know, it's being determined by someone who has a vested financial interest in seeing the thing go through. And I don't have any idea how our inspector voted on it. I'm just the only politician I know from that state. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know myself, but I know it, it, it becomes a political, um, becomes political power, anything like this does. And for something like that to be uh, regulated, uh, for the final decision to be somebody that's totally unqualified, that's just not acceptable. Yeah, I mean, you know, they'll have, uh, there's a lot of money at stake. you got to understand, you know, they are doing research, but the research that they're doing is, is all about, okay, here's how the scientists that are working on this are approaching it, the ones that are funded, is they're approaching this, is it's absolutely caused by man, and they're looking for, for okay, okay, so that's like you, you going into an experiment, and you already know the conclusion you want, you know, and you're just looking for proof of that conclusion. So there, there, there's no been no funding for any possibility that's a natural phenomena. So the so-called global warming deniers, a lot of them, they, they have a real crazy belief. They think the sun's causing it. What do you, what do you think about that? Mm, yeah, you know what? That's, uh, the sun might be getting a little hotter. How the heck do we know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, sunspot activity dropped dramatically. You probably are aware of this. It dropped dramatically over the last 10 years, which is why the temperatures... I'll tell you what, I'm glad to see global warming hit Florida. My banana plant froze to death, I'm, and I'm suing Al Gore. You know? <laughs> I love my banana plant, you know? And, and, uh, <laughs> we, had oh, it, uh, we had a colder winter this year than, I think, in, in recent memory, I mean, it just started on December 18th. Uh, as I remember, I, I was working outside on a, on a, a at a um, at a dump. We were doing some treatment of their leachate, and uh, we uh, I was I was outside for the next week, and that was just we had freezing rain. It started and didn't stop until this week. <laughs> All the well, it's up. been you know, I mean, on a latitude or whatever. Uh, I, I believe I live south of significant portion of the, or, or a pretty good chunk of Mexico, even if you look at North America. So the idea that I get home from work and it's 20 degrees, I mean, that, I mean you know, I, did you ever try to tarp an orange tree? <laughs> I didn't want the thing to, if I'm out there putting tarp on orange trees and things like that, you know, and uh, the poor banana, that's it. You know, it, it, about the third or fourth time it froze, you know, so this is, I, I can say after 15 years living in Florida, I've never experienced anything like it. And it's not an indication of global warming at all, you know. Yeah, and uh, that, and then back to weather tragedies. I mean, I think the biggest biggest uh, contributor to to human loss due to weather is the fact that there's more humans there. 
in in the in the way of the weather. I mean, they weren't there before. I mean, and earthquakes too. Just I mean, all that stuff. You're going to have bigger and bigger disasters because there's a higher and higher population density. If you measure disasters by the the, the damage to human life, well, then that's that's going to be the overriding factor. Yeah, yeah, and I I think you know really a lot of the solution. And, and in my own life, I've lowered my electric consumption by 30% over the last three years, and without spending a whole lot of money, and but doing whatever whatever I could on it, you know, with whatever money I had. So it's doable. I mean, if, just imagine if we all lowered our electric consumption by 10%, what a massive difference that would make, you know. So I'm all for the environment. I have two 250-gallon, uh, uh, they're honey toasts. You can picture a 250-gallon milk jug on either corner of the house to catch the rainwater to irrigate the organic gardens that we got all over the yard. I took a chainsaw and cut down all the landscaping in the yard, and now we got, when you walk in my front lock, walk, there's broccoli growing, you know, it's funny looking. But I'm not saying that to, to brag, what I'm saying is if we all did stuff individually, it, it would work, you know. I'm not buying a houseboats, you know. Actually, if we would all do something, 300 million Americans, it, it would make a, a way bigger impact than this, than this stupid, uh, you know, the old adage from the Carter administration: lower your lower your thermostat, and you know, uh, just uh, everybody. If everybody contributes, that's we're, we're all contributing. We're probably the biggest source of CO2 if you if you combine all our, our all our exhalations, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there, there are alternatives. I, I I think that you know, but on on the massive on the macro scale of the entire power grid, you know, a lot of them aren't going to work out very well. But it, and, as if, like, say, for instance, solar was done as to an individual house, that that's pretty doable even now, and the technology is going to get dramatically cheaper over the next couple of years. So, if we were all generating our own power in, in areas where you can, that would make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, I, I've been looking into wind power, although since this, uh, the green movement has accelerated and, uh, I mean, there's been green movement that's been going on since, since the 70s, really, or 60s even with, but, uh, in its infancy with hippies, I guess, but if you, <laughs> if you go, if you look at the price of wind, wind turbines, they, they've doubled in the last six years. <laughs> oh, mean, that is. The last couple of years, actually. Yeah, Same well, thing. Well, they're 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 realizing when the cap and trade comes in that they're going to get their buck because people will be just forced to do something. See, this is not going to affect wealthy people. I got I I want to be wealthy. I love wealthy people, but the the fact is that you know wealthy people are going to slap slap solar panels on the roof and that'll be the end of it. They're not going to take the hit. The guy the guy living in the row home is going to get hit the worst. You know, they're going to get a tax deduction for it because the guy on the account and they'll show them how to do that. Where the poor guy, he's just going to say, oh geez, I got to fill my short form. Again, you know, and I got ten thousand less dollars in the bank because I had to go to, uh, you know, wind, wind and solar energy just to, you know, I mean, it's I, maybe that's an exaggeration, but still, it's just the, the rich people aren't going to feel the hit; the poor people are. Yeah, that's what I'm concerned about, and you know, and that's why, you know, really why we decided to do this show. It's just, you know, if if enough people, you know, have some knowledge of what. Uh, a despicable program it actually is, and specifically how it works. And I'm not making this up. This is their numbers, you know. This is what they're saying, and that it's actually by 2050 going to put a massive hit on the consumer in this country and not generate any results whatsoever. And put, uh, you know, the, the couple manufacturers we got left are not going to be able to compete, you know. 
and uh, yeah. it's, it's really stacking the deck up against the United States. And I just think it's time we all collectively said, you know, we had enough. You know, we have had enough. And, you know, call your political leaders and tell them exactly that, you know. So if they don't think you're going to vote for them, they, 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 they might listen. They love power and they love money. And, and this is going to provide tons of both because a person that controls the energy controls the people totally. So, you know, with that Orwellian uh, suggestion you made might be accurate if, it's, if this thing goes oh. to fruition. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's happened already. I mean, look, just, you know, we're, we're, we're totally, I mean, people are working just so they can get enough money to go to work, basically. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the, 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 you, you, you make your salary, you make enough money to pay for the insurance for the car that gets you back and forth to work and the money that you have to buy for lunch and, and they pay your bills and by the time you get done with it, there's not a lot left over. Yeah. Well, the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, actually my own wages have been suffering and along with a lot of other people's, you know. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I'm really, really scratching pennies more than I ever have in years. So, you know, yeah, that, that my electric bill going up could be just, you know, a fatal blow at this point, you know, unless things improve in the economy, you know. So uh, it's really hitting you know, it's a real bad time if they're ever going to do this. And at the very least, if they would wait until there was technology to lower carbon, but there isn't. So, I mean, the only solution is they're just going to put them out of business, and that's eighty, you know, eighty-six percent of our power coming from fossil fuel. Yeah, exactly. And coal, our biggest resource, our biggest, our biggest weapon against oil, they're going to outlaw it. Basically. <laughs> yeah, you know, so where's that going to get us in the big picture? I mean, you can be. You can look at the small facet of things and say, oh, we made progress, we're, you know, we're lowering our dependency on, on fossil fuels, but then you just you make, you make the oil have a monopoly, and then when the oil runs down or out or whatever it's supposed to do, uh, I'm not quite sure about all that, but uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to give them the power even more than they have right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what, that's, that's what it boils down to. I mean, it really just boils down to their agenda you know, what what they want to accomplish. And, you know, I don't think they really care about the country or the people. And, you know, I, th I just think we're headed to socialism and, you know, the next step is communism, you know, and who knows? I mean, I'm not a big, you know, conspiracy theory guy, but to me, the, the writing's on the wall. I mean, they're taking over everything with the stimulus package. I mean, they're taking over mortgages and taking over banks. And now I just heard that uh, FDIC is needing like 50, I mean, FDIC, is needing fifty billion dollars to to uh, be pulled out of a mess that they're in. So, I mean, they're, they're going to control uh, and handle everything in this country. That's where we're headed. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I mean, I feel it. I feel that. I feel. I'm feeling the squeeze. I tell you, it's just. It's just. And I I get claustrophobic about the whole thing. <laughs> well, it's like I said, my blood pressure just goes up. I'm going to have to go on medicine. Yeah. But anyway, well, I, I appreciate you calling, Shed. It was really great having uh, somebody with your expertise, you know, to put their two work, two cents in. So I, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I hope I didn't monopolize anything. With, uh, or, you know, I hope I was uh, I'm glad I could be a, have some input, you know. And uh, if you, uh, I mean, I, I, I got some links I'd like to send you about, uh, you know, this uh some of these other alternate carbon sources, and if you uh, somehow do you have a, a 
an email I could. I'm looking online, but I'm just not totally familiar. With the yeah. Website. Yeah, you can just send it to uh, Alan. That's A L L E N, Alan yeah. at truth about at truthabouttrucking.com. Okay. Yeah, I'll be glad to look come over. Yeah, I'd be real interested in it because this is the kind of stuff that just the media keeps uh, you know a handle on and just won't let it get out. So uh, that's that's what we're trying to do is just come up with things. It's just like this cap and trade, how it's going to affect truckers and everything and diesel price going up and stuff. So we try to get everything out there that we can. Well, that's great. I, I appreciate what you and Barry are doing. It, it's just tremendous. You, you're to be commended um, and uh, just keep on trucking, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, we'll do it. Well, th- well, thanks for calling again. And I just, yeah, just send it to Alan at Truth About Trucking, and uh, feel free to call any time. I really appreciate it. Okay, thanks. I'll probably catch you next week because that's a topic uh, near dear to my heart as well. It'll be uh, yeah, two, we, it'll be two weeks from today. Yeah. Okay. Two weeks from today. All right. Well, I got it then. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks. Thank you. We'll, we'll be in, we'll be in contact with you. Okay. Appreciate that. All right. Bye-bye. All right. A, uh, well, that was pretty cool, Barry, a biochemist. How cool yeah. is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think we, you know, having a real scientist call in is, is a blessing for sure. You know, I mean, I got letters after my name, but they're, they're CDL, so they don't quite carry the weight of someone who, who's out there working in the, in the field and, and knows a lot. Well, no. Right. I mean, man, when, he, uh, when I asked him, uh, um, you know, um, is this this just some research you did, or are you involved in it? And when he said biochemist, well, I just kept my mouth shut and let him talk. <laughs> that was great. So, yeah, that's what I was hoping for, you know, because, uh, you know, well, you can't be an expert at everything. At least me and you can hit the, can hit the, uh, hit the outline of a thing, but to get into the nitty-gritty and, and actual factual type of, of uh, data on things like global warming or, all that. I mean, it just pays to have someone who with that kind of knowledge. So that's cool. Oh yeah. Well, we'll be scheduling that uh the next Trucker Sunday show probably for I believe what the 22nd. We'll be talking about biofuels and that kind of thing. And that's uh, uh by my understanding that's uh was his big thing. So we'll be in contact with him and see if we can get him on the guest on that show. And I'm sure he will. So any anybody that has that expertise, yeah, I'm more than welcome. So. That, that, that was great. Yeah, we got uh, welcome to everybody in the chat room, getting a lot of chat in there and everything going. So uh, 16 minutes left to the countdown. It's been a great show, but this uh, what I liked about Chet when him calling was, I mean, there's somebody with the expertise, with the knowledge, and uh, just just telling you right out, too, you know, this cap-and-trade thing is just is not going to work. And... Uh, I, I just don't know why people don't see that, but well, it, well, I do. It's just because the media has so so much control over what you hear and what you see, and the government is so powerful now. And like I said earlier, uh, this administration just can't wait to uh, sign any paper that comes in front of its guest, uh, in front of its desk, and and it's all about money. I mean, I had I had mentioned earlier that this cap and trade thing, they're estimating that this will generate the government between 50 and 300 billion dollars a year so i mean it's nothing about money it's just about money it, it, it is just about money and there's there's one thing 
that, that everybody needs to know is it's never going away. Because when it fails, and according to their own numbers, it will fail to, to have any appreciable effect on the climate. They're, once these guys get, get, get a way to, uh, to raise revenue, they, they get addicted to it. And, and you know, so, so in other words, if it fails, they'll use that as an excuse to continue it. Man, we need to do Bob A, B, and C. And if it succeeds, they'll use that as an excuse to continue it. Look how good we're doing, you know? So it's, oh, yeah. Gonna... Well, there are those people that, that do get it, you know, and but if they could just get their voices heard. Uh, one of our guests in the um, uh, chat room is writing, term limits will only do so much. The biggest reform that needs to happen is in the basic structure and makeup of the government. It's too big, too bloated, and has entirely too much power and too much control. And there's somebody who gets it right there, you know, so... Let's get uh, 14 minutes down. We've got another caller here. Let's see if we can pull them up. Uh, pull up the old thing there. There it goes. Uh, I'll call, call out your area code. If you're calling from area code 281, uh, you're live on the air with Truth About Trucking Live. Go ahead. Hi, this is uh, Ed from Houston, Texas. And uh, hey. there's not a lot that I can say that uh, someone hasn't already said except to encourage anybody listening to this that we can make a difference, all of us, but we can't do it without doing something. We can email, we can vote, we can get on blog talk radio, we can talk to our friends with it, the way we teach our children, but we can't do it without, without, by ignoring the problem. So, you know, it seems to me that the best way for this country to fix itself is for the citizens of this country to stand up and demand that it be fixed. Because without doubt, when it comes down to it, we're much bigger than they are if we stand collectively. Yeah, but did you? But the thing with that, Ed, is uh, the the majority of people in the country did stand up and vote, and they voted this administration in. <laughs> so it's well, kind of scary. I, you know, I saw that, and and I would agree with that. Except I saw the vote was almost split. I saw that there was a lot of questions about the validity of the vote and whether or not there was a lot of game playing going on. And I saw nothing happening to verify that the vote was accurate or to give us any peace of mind that the, the vote actually was carried out properly. So I, I don't know. I, I think you're probably right. I think there's more people out there. I think our media was a third party in this uh, last election in a fashion oh. that I've never seen the media involved in before. They actually oh, yeah. ran somebody for office. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's what we all always say too it's the media that runs and you know i'm not i don't really consider myself a conservative host i mean uh if i really felt that obama was the best man for the job i would have voted for i i have voted republican and democrat so i look at the person and say who will be the best president to run the country but uh this really scared me because i i i just couldn't believe that so many people couldn't see that uh this was just nothing but socialism coming to the country but hey, I think you're right. I mean, I still think the country is maybe split 50 and 50. But right now we have to deal with what if we have, I guess. If those numbers are true. <laughs> if they're true, right. Right. But you're just saying just vote. Uh, do, do whatever you can. It, yeah, depending yeah. on your position and, and where you're at in life, everybody has uh, points of contact and reference. Uh, you know, we watch too, too much and we do too little. Uh, it's never been any different. Uh, our government has gotten us in trouble in the past at different times, and then we the people had to stand up and set it right. And it's, it's just a circle of effect, but it's about time for we the people to stand up and demand some transparency. 
demand that we see what's going on out there. When things concern us, somebody's got to explain them because they do work for us. And I think the part that scares me the most is that we seem to have forgotten that they work for us. Well, I think you hit it right on the nail because there's too many people that say, what can the government do for me? But we have forgotten those three important words, we the people, we run the country, not the government. The, just like you said, they, they work for us, and I think a lot of people have forgotten that. Alan, did you see that young man? Uh, he was on one of the talk shows, a young boy who was uh, a conservative speaking as though he was in his 30s. Uh, I can't remember his name. He, uh, he obviously has a career, but he made a comment that the government is not here to help us. It's here to protect and serve us. And I don't know if anybody could have said it better. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. If we can get back on track, that's that's what it is. I mean, you look at uh, these disasters we have, and people immediately look. I've never looked for the government for help in my life, and I know sometimes they have to help us. I mean, they have to. That's protecting us and everything. But, but you know, we we have four at least four years here to ride out, so maybe – and I think people are – beginning to see things and uh I'm 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 seeing more and more and hearing more and more about people just like this show you know going well you know this this cap and trade thing just isn't right so well all we can do is write it out see what happens well I'm I'm enjoying your show and I believe you're making a difference I'll back out and leave the line for someone else but thank you for the good work you do sir okay yeah, well I appreciate your call y'all you have a good Sunday now you do the same well, see, Barry, uh, maybe we're making a difference. I mean, you know, and like I said a minute ago, people, uh, I do, I am beginning to hear more and more about people like this cap and trade and, and things. They're just kind of looking at it and scratching their head going, well, you know, now wait a minute. So, um, you know, maybe uh, I don't know where it's standing. I mean, do you know, is it going to the Senate or is it, what's it looking like being passed? It's on the sidelines right as we speak. They they made an attempt back in June '08 to uh, <clears throat> to push it push it ahead. I don't know if it even came up for a vote, to be honest with you. But they're not focused on that right now. They got uh, you know more important things to tackle. Uh, they they've got current budget with the two million dollars they set aside for Pigo to research in Iowa. So they're they're way busy doing important things, you know. Well, so, hey, uh, we can't listen. It's really important. We got to save. That that salt water field rat out in California or whatever it is. I have I mean, a solution. What's that? Uh, I'm going to put my cat in a box and mail it to San Francisco. And, uh, <laughs> sorry, that, no, we're tr we're trying we're trying to save it, man. We're we're, well, we're going to put about ten billion dollars in that thing. Uh, Thirty million is what they approved. They were actually Thirty million. Uh, yeah, that was the initial hit. Okay, we're talking about starting the project, but they were interviewing the uh, former mayor of San Francisco, who I don't know his name exactly, Willie something I want to say, and they said, they said, Mr. Former Mayor, how do you justify spending $30 million to catch a mouse? And he said, it'll stimulate the economy. So, yeah. and, and, you know, see, that's what gets me. I mean, all this stuff, this stimulus plan isn't going to stimulate the economy at all. There's nothing really in there for the people. You know, my here, here's a suggestion. All these trillions and trillions of dollars, and that's what it's going to turn out to be, is, is trillions of dollars, not $689 billion or whatever. It's going to be trillions of dollars. I just mentioned a minute ago they're going to give billions of dollars to FDIC, of all things. Uh, well, there's like five or 600 million people in the U.S., so let's say 600 million. If you want to stimulate the common economy, 
take everybody that's 21 years and older. Uh, so let's just say, I don't know what the figure is, but if there's 600 million people in the U.S., let's cut it in half, say 300 million of those are 21 years and older. Stimulate the economy. Give everybody 21 years and older a check for $1 million and say, okay, here's your chance. You'll never have it or see it again. Here's $1 million. Uh, I just eliminated trillions of dollars down to $300 million. Uh, There you go. There you go. I, I got a fast way. How, how about uh, we give every woman in America a sack of money and drop them off at the mall? What do you think? Man, they'll spend it. There you go. There you go. That'd work too. <laughs> but you I don't know, see anything in here that's going to stimulate the economy. And everybody who can get their voice out is saying the same thing. I mean, even Democrats. There was a, dem- a big Democrat leader last week, I forget his name, uh, that came right out and said that this is just a disaster that's going to destroy the wealth of this country. And he- and he's a big-time Democrat, so there are those people that get it and that are seeing it, but the media just won't let their voice get out. Yeah, no, it's not a Democrat-Republican issue. It's, it's just an issue of, uh, of, of the entire country when so many of those dollars, you know, that, I mean, that, that pig research, I mean, pigs stink. I'll save you $2 million. They smell. Don't build a house next to a pig farm. You're going to be sorry. Uh, you know, with the, <laughs> with the mouse, I'll ship my cat out. I'll sell the cat for $10 million. Okay, I, and so I'm going to save the government twenty million, and I'll stimulate the economy with the other ten million. I'll give it to my wife. You know, she'll spend there you it. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you, you go. I, yeah, I'm not being sexist here, but I know that 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 men really our only goal is to sit sit on the couch and eat pepperoni pizza and, and watch TV. So we don't care about all that. You know, let them <laughs> stimulate the economy. You, you can tell a successful man by how many grease stains he has on his belly. I'm telling you, this is the the measure of of, of success in America. But you know, to, that'll work. Well, even if you just evenly had divided it up, one of the reasons, and that was talked about, believe it or not, it was talked about, and they said, if we do that, the middle class will pay down their credit cards with the money. They won't buy anything. So they were... Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, that means it went to the bank, correct? That's it. All right, four minutes down, well, do you have a uh, uh, thought for the day for us? You, you know what? Uh, I didn't write one down, but... Uh, Quote Ralph Waldo Emerson, he said, whatever you think today, say it. I'm paraphrasing here. Whatever you think today, say it. Tomorrow, that may change, but just for today, speak your peace, and that's the lifeblood of humanity. So that's my last well, that's, statement. That's true, power and words, if we can just get it out. so. Uh, and I think we did. So this was a good show, a uh, great show. Barry, thanks. I appreciate you being here. We'll we'll set that one up for uh, the next Truck for Sunday show for Sunday the 22nd. Uh, uh, everybody can just keep checking back at blogtalkradio.com forward slash truthabouttrucking, and you can see our show schedule. Uh, you can go to truthabouttrucking.com and sign up for our free newsletter, and that's one way you can always know when and what our shows are coming up. So uh, hey, Barry, thanks again. We'll we'll do it again in a couple of weeks. You're welcome there, Alan. I'll catch up with you uh, with the biofuel show there on the 22nd. Okay, sounds good. We'll see you. Okay, bye-bye. All right. Okay, and be sure to join us tomorrow. That's Monday the 9th, tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, when we're going to be talking about the Employment Employee Free Choice Act. Should workers have the ability to form their own union against their company. Great guest, Eric Meyer, employment law attorney. John Watzik, I believe, uh, with the People's World. And uh, Damien, who is a 15-year OTR veteran in trucking. We're going to have a debate on whether or not 
workers should be able to form a union behind, basically behind the back of the company. So be sure and check that out tomorrow. Uh, I appreciate you uh, spending your Sunday with us today and be hoping that you will be back tomorrow. And thanks for all the callers. Thanks to everybody in the chat room. I appreciate you very much for being here and hope you have a great Sunday. And until next time, for Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith. Drive safe, and thanks for listening. Joe.